Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Joined today, he's an entrepreneur, real estate agent, coach. It's Torin Minatillo. How are you doing today, Torin? Hey, Alex. Thank you. I'm going really well. I'm looking forward to this. Thank you very much. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Well, I'm um, a, a son of an Italian immigrant that came out to Australia back in the early 1950s. Um, and I live in the southwest corner of Western Australia, um, um, about 15 minutes south of the city, Perth. Um, so, yeah, what did I do growing up? Uh, I lived in a, a suburban area, um, grew up uh, the youngest of seven brothers. So I'm the wow. youngest of seven brothers in a family. So probably a little bit unique in that aspect. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, had a very good uh, childhood. I uh, always remember playing lots of sports and um, I, I wouldn't say I was a great academic as a child, but, uh, but, uh, but I loved, uh, I always joke and say that my favorite two subjects at school was lunch and sport. Um, Isn't that everyone's favorite? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so um, very much a, um, a story of humble beginnings, I suppose you could say. Growing up with seven brothers, that is definitely, you could basically have your own basketball team, hockey team, basically there. <laughs> what was it like, the dynamic growing up with seven brothers? Did you get along? Was there lots of energy going on in that household? Yeah, it, uh, it's a good it's a good question. Um, I look, the, the way to probably explain that is, you know, fast forward in my life sort of 50 plus years on and we all get on very well still uh and you know i'm the youngest uh, i'm sort of turning 57 now my oldest brother is 73 74 um so we're 15 years apart so seven seven kids in in the space of 15 years um wow. and, and and i suspect that mum wanted me to be a girl or she kept looking for a girl but she couldn't <laughs> <laughs> didn't quite happen um but no I, I i got nothing but fun memories yeah you had your your occasional uh sort of uh, spats if you like or, or or the odd fight usually over very trivial things um but no as a rule um you know we all got on pretty well and and um had good fun you know like i just sort of remember it was always good fun and particularly being the youngest um always having older brothers that uh, can look out for you uh, was good and uh, so that was my experience of the family environment you mentioned being part of a family of an italian immigrant did you family really take on the Italian culture while being in Australia, or did you try to blend the two fusions together? Uh, I think uh, so from my parents' perspective, uh, it's interesting. A lot of immigrants do this is that they, they take their culture with them to where they go. Um, And one of the things that's, you know, I've since learned this from my own (laughs) development is that one of the things that makes them feel safe is the community of being amongst other people like them in the same situation um, which, you know, that sort of creates uh, a sense of safety, having mm-hmm. people around them that understand them. Probably one of the interesting things that I found with my um, family is that so fast forward again, sort of 20 odd, five years, and you know, I went back to Italy, is that the culture and everything had evolved there. But yet, um, when you migrate to another country, you take the culture where you were when you left. And you don't necessarily evolve that culture to where you are because you're not sort of going back and forth. So I found that was really interesting. Um, so, for instance, my mum and dad were still living in the values of what they had when they left Italy and came to Australia. And although they simulated into the Australian way of life, if you like, um, they still had their old cultural ties, but not necessarily evolved with where Italy was moving, you know, over that 25, 30 year period. So, um, so yeah, so very much um the Italian culture within our family. I grew up with that. I'm still very close to that and very tied to that. I think, 
you know, we obviously get modelled as an uh, in our early age about how we sort of view the world, and I think there's a, a strong imprint on all all the boys in my family or my brothers uh, about our attachment to our cultural uh, Italian cultural heritage. As you're growing up, did you have any signature passions of yourself? Something that you enjoyed doing? You mentioned not being ag- academic liking, but you had passions in other areas to make up for that. Yeah, oh, I think for me, um, we sort of, with our sporting sort of, you know, environment here in, in Australia, we play, you know, AFL football and, and we have cricket, which is sort of a, a British game. Um, and so that they're the two sort of uh, sporting passions. And, you know, and to this day, I still follow that very well and, and closely. But yeah, I think outdoors, you know, like uh, where we live, um, we, where we grow up, I was very close to the ocean. So the beach was only literally, you know, a five minute walk to the ocean. So uh, ocean sports, um, you know, fishing sort of outdoor activities. And that was sort of part of the culture. Plus the climate that we have here is inducive to that. So we're very, um, got a, you know, we're blessed with a great climate here in um, sunny Western Australia, as we like to call it. Um, and it's a, it's a lovely kept secret. <laughs> I wish I had just a five minute walk to the ocean. I mean, I'm just jealous just hearing that right now. <laughs> yeah, I must admit, um, I'm very grateful for that. And, and, and then consequently, as I've grown up, um, every time I've had a thought or maybe moving or, or you know, sort of thought about living in other places, uh, the, the pull of being close to the ocean is very strong. So I don't think I'd ever could live too far away from the ocean. And even now, although I've moved from where I grew up, I'm only, you know, in the car five to 10 minutes away from getting to the beaches. I think you even mentioned how being close to the ocean is such a passion or a thing that you just enjoy. And I think a lot of us have those signature places. And even with me growing up in the city or in a suburban area, just being close to like our downtown city area, it's just nice because it feels like I'm at home. I feel yeah. natural going down there, enjoying the different atmospheres and environments. It just feels like home. Yeah. No, I think that that's sort of, um, you know, if we get into it, I don't know, we're sort of around the psychology and human behavior, but that's that sense of belonging. You know, if, you, if you've got that good sense of belonging. And I think that definitely gets instilled with you in your early childhood years based on, who are, you know, your, your main caregivers, your family environment whether it's important to them and then it flows onto you as a child growing up. So that's that sense of belonging of wanting to be close to a place. And you get other people who are very, you know, probably traveled a lot in their life in the first four to five years and they grow up, um, you know, sort of not having that necessarily strong uh, wanting to be in a particular place. In fact, they, they feel better by moving from place to place and very much inherent in how you have been brought up and what your value system around how you see the world. A fun question we're sometimes asked is, what is that dream job for us? As you're growing up, what was that career that you were wanting? Yeah, I think it, you know, it's, it's a hard question to answer because obviously when you're, when you're, you know, say 10, 12, 14, 15, up to 20, you, you really don't have an idea of what the world's going to be like, right? Yeah. You've got this, you've got this vision, but as it, as it grows up, and so I'm talking from experience, uh, a little bit ahead of you, Alex, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to age. Um, and, but, you know, uh, I think th- th- I go back to memories. I initially had a, a passion for photography when I was in school because I did a lot of photography in school and I loved that. And then I sort of thought, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make a career out of that. And then I sort of thought uh, architecture would be good for me because I liked technical drawing and thing, you know, around that sort of stuff. So that was sort of the passions in, say, high school. Um, but it, it, I don't know, it just evolved. Um, I didn't end up doing either of those two things. <laughs> 
Um, but I suppose, um, you know, for me, you know, an entrepreneurial pathway or at least having control of my own destiny, I suppose, is the way I look at it. Um, and I did, you know, I did odd jobs and it wasn't until I actually got into my own business that I felt comfortable in now I'm in control of where, where I'm going. And that took, you know, until I, I think my first business was um, uh, 24 going on 25. So quite a long time ago now. What was the path? Did you go right into the workforce or did you go to university? I didn't go to university. I, uh, my grades and, and just at the time also, there, you know, interesting talking about that family unit. There was no pressure for me to go to university and to be an academic. A couple of my older brothers did that. Um, and again, migrant family, uh, it wasn't a huge priority on our list of things. So I never, I never felt any pressure of having to do that. Um, and, and, and as I said, I wasn't never a really an academic at school. I, I got by, I did what I needed to do. Um, but for me, it was like, you know, getting a job and, um, and getting into the workforce. So I, I sort of left high school and pretty much, you know, looked for a job and, and ended up, uh, yeah, you know, just working in different odd jobs until I found my place in, in a business. What was the hardest part about working those odd jobs? Did you feel that it wasn't right, the right fit at the time and you were looking for that next step in your journey or career? Yeah, I think just restlessness, you know, like not feeling uh, like, and p- p- probably because I never had like, a, well, I've gone to university, I've learned about this particular subject, whatever field it may be. I didn't have a place that I felt, okay, that's my pathway. Um, and, you know, so I, you know, my, one of my early jobs was I actually did a course on on travel um, as in travel agent and I ended up getting a job in a travel company and spent two or three years in that company working um, sort of more on the wholesale holiday sort of thing, which was a fun job. Um, but it, I, I figured out that it wasn't a good career move because it wasn't a lot of money involved. And mm-hmm. I felt, you know, like for me, again, that underlying entrepreneurial spirit was not sure if I could make a business out of this or a career out of this from that point of view. So I ended up switching around a little bit for a period of time <clears throat> until I ended up um, yeah, in my first business. You talked about becoming an entrepreneur. Was there any entrepreneurs that influenced you before you made that move to becoming one? Um, indirectly, yeah. A couple of my older brothers got into smaller businesses and I, and I felt for whatever reason, that was a good pathway for me. Um, I I didn't have you know, like any major figures in my family. I just, yeah, I'm not sure really what, what it was. It was it's not necessarily about... Um, making money, you know, we all sort of want to make money and we want to, you know, need money to move forward. That's always a driving force, particularly in the early ages. Um, but for me, it was more just that autonomy, you know, not not having to answer to anybody else, I think was probably what was driving me and, and felt that I had the confidence to be able to do, um, you know, get into business and actually create my own destiny. I think that's what, you know, this is on reflection now. I mean, at the time when you're going through it, you don't think about it in that way. You just think about, forging ahead what's the next thing I need to do um you know it's on reflection you look back 30 years later and you go what was it that was driving me and um you know now I talk about purpose and you know value systems and what what's driving you um but at the time when you're you know 21 22 23 uh unless that's really instilled in you uh, from an early age from a significant person in your life it's not something that comes natural to people I don't think do you feel that if you had a different mindset of, well, I need to make money and stuff, because knowing going into entrepreneurial side, it's a risk. When am I going to get my first paycheck and things like that? Do you think yeah. that would have changed your outcome if you had a different mindset 
than how you had the mindset right at that time? Yeah, that's a really good question, um, Alex, is that I think I was, you know, like I, I wasn't worried about risk in losing anything, right? So I, and again, this comes out of your family environment, your structure, your life journey to that point. Um, and, and maybe to my own detriment, like so potentially overconfident in that I was going mm-hmm. to be able to achieve whatever it is I wanted to put my mind to. Um, whereas I think some people grow up um, and establish themselves as they're risk averse in that they are safe, you know, really strong safety first and making sure, and, you know, this is one of the psychological hacks is of actually trying to get past that and having the courage to push through, which, you know, through all the work I've done now, I understand that clearly. But again, you know, when you're in that age, it's not something that's top of mind. You become a little bit bulletproof and you think, well, I did anyway. I don't think everybody's like this, but for me, it was very much a, a pathway of, well, I'm sure I could do this. How hard can it be? You know, I was mm-hmm. uh, um, overconfident probably is, is a good way. And, and I, I've come to understand that that, that was, um, uh, you know, probably one of my uh, strengths, which turned into a weakness. What was the first business that you had? What was the concept and what was the impact it had for you? Um, so for me, the first business was getting into video rental library. So this is before you were born, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> there was a world before internet and mobile phones, trust me. <laughs> um, so when I first started out, so that was 1989, um, I, uh, with a partner, got involved in a video rental library, which was back in the day, you'd go down the corner store and um, uh, hire out a video cassette. You'd go home, put it into your VHS recorder and watch a movie on your TV. <laughs> and then when you finished with that, you took it back to the rental store and you, you got another one or, or whatever it may be. So we, so that was quite a fashionable business, um, you know, mid to late 80s going through to probably a 10 to 15 year period. Um, so, yeah, so that was the first business. And, and what, what did I learn out of that? Um, I think it was, it was an early education for me on, you know, um, how to provide a value proposition, um, how to get meet a customer's expectation, um, how do you present to, you know, potentially grow a business? Well, what do you need to do to service a customer? So th- these are all basic principles of, of business, which um, seem like common sense at the time, but they're not that common. Um, so yeah, so that was my early foray into business. And um, over a period of seven to eight years, we ended up building up three locations and, and, wow. and did quite well out of, out of that business. But uh, the writing was on the wall that technology was coming and things were moving and changing. Um, so that's sort of what set me on a path of for a few, for a few years, I've been a bit restless about where I was. So then we eventually got out of those video libraries as they were called, um, you know, with the advent of, um, you know, Netflix obviously ended up taking over a little bit further down the track, but I think there was a transition also is that we had sort of corner store type businesses and the big corporate organization, I mean, Blockbuster, Blockbuster is probably one that comes to mind. Everybody knows, but there was others like that that were really uh, taking over the market and forcing out the little guys, if you like. Um, and we, we were probably considered one of the little guys. Well, you talked about the change in over times and how, like Blockbuster, I remember going to a store on a Friday, yeah. renting a movie, and then you see all these digital platforms, and then you're now seeing <laughs> all the stores just going away. Yeah. Do you feel that has helped you become a better entrepreneur with 
knowing the changes that could happen over time, being a small business owner and being able to adapt to any situation, even past when you were done with the video lab library company. Yeah, 100%. I think that adaptive, you know, one of the one of the best skills you can have as a business leader is the adaptiveness to change, right? So, um, you know, actually now term, the term I use now is adaptive leadership. You've got to move to what the market presents in front of you rather than you trying to control the market that's in front of you. Um, and I think, you know, video library, what it taught me back then is that, you know, technology will move and keep moving. It's not something that you're going to be able to work against. Um, so I think, you know, again, uh, as a, any person who's done well in business over a period of time is that unless they adapt to change, they're going to struggle and they're going to get mm -hmm. stuck in a place that they're not going to be able to move forward. And that, that's actually part of the coaching that I do now is actually help people evolve to who do they need to become in the business they are in as a business leader. So I think, you know, it's a, it's a, that sort of held me in good thing. Although it was very uncomfortable at the time because, you know, I made one of the fatal mistakes early in business was I probably could have sold out those three or, you know, those three different locations at different times to make good money. But we didn't do that. We held on. We thought, you know, again, naive, worked against the change. Um, and then eventually got to the place where we just had to close the three stores down because they weren't saleable items anymore. You know, and you know, lots in back in the in that day. So we're talking early nineteen nineties. I was talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, which was significant at the time for me. Did it take some time to find that new venture for you, or did you kind of have an idea already? No, I. I so I, I spent uh, probably another seven or eight years just going from one business to another, or trying to figure out what it was um, that I wanted to get in to, and and. All, all in the while, in the background, I had an interest in property, um, in, in real estate, uh, dabbling with uh, buying property and, you know, um, subdividing in here was sort of a case of doing some small developments and making, trying to make some money out of doing that. So that was more of an investment vehicle uh, for me. Uh, so I got interested in property and it uh, wasn't until early 2000. So the year 2000 is, so after I got out of the uh, video library business, it was about five, six years, just I'd on retail businesses, um, nothing sort of that I could get my teeth into that I felt that I've, and you know, all along I'm, I'm evolving as a human. I, you know, met my wife, had two kids. There's all this other life stuff going on in the background and trying to find a pathway to, uh, to, you know, to meet their needs and to, to provide a provide for them um, as they were growing up. So there's a lot of, you know, psychological pressures going on, some, you know, um, success pressures, all these sort of things going on, but I, I never, one of the things I never thought or doing was to step back out and just go and get, you know, a real job, if you like, and, mm -hmm. and working for someone else. That was never part of my, um, my thought process. So, <clears throat> so where I ended up in early 2000 is in um, real estate. And um, I had two other small businesses at the time and uh, got into real estate working for a, a, a friend of mine at the time who was in real estate and he encouraged me to get involved so I spent probably a two to three year apprenticeship sort of learning the ropes while fostering these other businesses, because one of the things that when you get into real estate, there's no um, guarantee of any money until you actually make sales yeah. and, and, yeah. and think it's very much a commission based business. Um, and so it probably took me two and a half, three years to be able to realize that, okay, I've got a place now where I can forge and, and build a career around and, you know, make good money. Eventually over that period of time um, sold out of the other business ventures that I was in and just purely decided to focus on real estate and make that um, my pathway forward. So that's what I did. And 
within the space of five years. So yeah, five, six years. So it was in 2000, early 2007 that I established my own real estate company. And I still have that company to this day. Did real estate or ever your career take a harsh turn for you personally, or was it always smooth sailing? There's no such thing as smooth sailing. <laughs> as I like to say to people, there's no straight line to success. Uh, it's a zigzag. Or and, and of course, part of the, the journey is to try and smooth out those peaks and valleys as much as you can. Um, yeah. And that yeah. comes with, you know, learning, wisdom, experience, uh, all that that goes with it. So, so when I now reflect back on my uh, business career, uh, which spans 33 years um, approximately, um, it's very much two halves. The first half was leading up to the global financial crisis in 2008. Um, and then the second half is the recovery from the 2008 global financial. So by the time the, the global financial crisis came around, I was well established in my own business, had been in it for a year or so. I had been in the real estate business, but not my own business, um, working for someone else. Uh, but essentially, although I was working under a different um, brand, if you like, I was still my own boss, my own driver. It was really just you, you as a real estate agent, the way I see it is that you have got your own business just under an entity of someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and But when, because, you know, if you're not motivated to do what you need to do yourself, it's not going to work out for you. Um, but so 2007, 2008, um, the market real estate was going strong. You know, we'd built up quite a nice little asset pool. I was doing well in all sorts of different measures. And then um, 2008, global financial crisis came along and I wasn't really prepared for it. Uh, I didn't know that at the time. I thought I was. Um, I was highly geared, had borrowed too much money, had holding too much property. But I felt like if I kept the business going, the cash flow from the business would help me hold all these debts. So I hung on too long was my problem. Um, And so I thought... It was, so I'll get to the story as it's evolved, but I thought that it was the global financial crisis that was causing me to have the disruption in my business life and my, in my life in general. Um, and I spent sort of um, you know, two years of soul searching, figuring that out. And it wasn't until about 2011 going into 2012 that I started to, you know, and I came to a place where I had to sell assets <coughs> to survive, I managed to keep the family home, but only just, um, and, and took on a lot more debt to try and get myself through that period. So uh, it was that was a pretty dark time in my life, and it was pretty, it was a struggle. You know, family pressures, all sorts of different things. But I had good support around me. Um, you know, as mentioned early on, I had six older brothers, and they sort of stepped in and, and helped me out through that period. Um, and I managed to get back on the feet. But the the second part of the journey is sort of back rise, rising up. You know, to use your um, thing, rise from the challenge, <coughs> is that um, for me it was a journey back to understanding myself, uh, the personal development journey. What was I doing that led me to get into that position that I needed to change to make sure I wouldn't get into that position? So now, you know, I mentioned to you at the start of my business journey, I was very confident, potentially overconfident. And I understand now that that's what caused me to get into the traps that I got into from a business environment. Um, You know, on reflection, after I've done a lot of personal development work, I know that, but at the time I didn't. And I was uh, blaming the external world for my problems, which was, you know, the global financial crisis and the market's now soft and it's hard to get sales and, and, and all this external stuff. But it wasn't until I started looking inwardly to who I was from, for the answers that I started to change the way I looked at business, to change the way I dealt with customers, how I presented a value proposition, how I actually started to. And then 
I went from not being a person of, you know, education, reading books, learning from others, being coached to someone who went completely flipped is that I took on lots of courses. I read lots of books. I listened to, you know, podcasts were just evolving through then um, starting out. So I sought out whoever I could learn from, um, you know, as, as things financially got better, we took on coaches in the real estate company and really started to see the benefit of that. Um, so that led me down a pathway of the more I learned and the more I started to get the results, the deeper I went into learning that stuff. And, and I got into human behavior uh, and understanding that it was uh, the human behavior that I was, that had conditioned within me that was causing the results I was getting. So my, my, my journey was one of, well, if I can engineer my own human behavior about what I need to do, then this should impact the results I'm trying to get externally. So over a period of, you know, from some early 2012 right through to about 2017. So about a five-year period, <clears throat> everything flipped and changed for me. I ended up going from strength to strength. And we ended up having a business that was, you know, three times stronger than what it was going into the global financial crisis. And it was, um, so I wish I had learned all that stuff in my, you know, in my 30s. Uh, but again, when you're in your 30s, you think you're bulletproof. You don't think you need this information because you can path your own, you, you can carve out your own pathway. Um, so that that's, so now I'm, you know, so again, fast forward another five years. So the global financial crisis for me ended late 2011, 12. So that's 10 years ago now. And where I am positioned 10 years further down with the experience that I've got, um, I'm now in a position where I feel really good about the fact that I, I have minimal involvement now in the real estate company. Um, we've got a great team. We do property development, we do sales, leasing and property management. So that's a really nice, solid, structured business. Um, that I don't have to spend a lot of time in it, which allows me to foster my passion about our helping other business owners now go through this journey. Um, and so approximately four years ago, I started officially my own coaching business to evolve myself to become a coach. So that took sort of maybe 12 to 18 months to really understand what it took to do that. Um, and now, yeah, I'm helping business owners um, work through and I've got my own IP, my own model that I uh, run, which is adapted from a lot of things that I've learned along the way. But it's very much a journey of looking inwardly to who you are for the answers to get all the things that you want externally in your life. Um, what I've come to understand, Alex, is a lot of business owners only focus externally, and that's where they're running into problems. And they're looking externally of themselves for the answers to that they're, they're trying to, whatever it is they're trying to achieve, whatever their goals are. Um, but if um, if they look inwardly, um, they will get the the results they're looking for externally and less frustration, a lot calmer way. Um, yeah, so that that's sort of the evolvement through those challenges. So to answer your question in a long-winded way was, yeah, I had a major stumble in my life, in my business life through that 2008, 2011 period, so a good three-year period. Um, but now I look upon that time as a gift. I've reframed all that and understood stood that unless I went through that, I wouldn't have been in position I am now, I wouldn't be able to maybe help other people through their journey. Um, and, and, and probably now, well, not probably, I know this because I've thought about and done the work on it, is I'm re returning to probably what I was here to do in the first place and to help other human beings achieve what it is they want to achieve. And you, for me, I express that in business. Sorry, I was just going to say, for me... You can do that in all sorts of different areas or fields of endeavor. But for me, it's helping business owners because I've, I've, I've walked those steps. I've been through those struggles. I understand the, the obstacles. I understand, you know, and it's very much a, an inner a mental game. 
Do you feel if you didn't get back into real estate after the global financial crisis, do you feel that you would have failed yourself where I've committed myself to this platform, this industry, and I know I can be make it bigger, but I'm not going to let this stop me from continuing. Or did you think maybe I need to go into a different direction? <laughs> a lot of times there's situations we see it even with pandemic, things like that. People have a change. They're kind of reflecting on maybe I know I should be doing something different. Maybe I'm, maybe the coaching would have happened earlier for you if you went in a different direction. How was that? Did those topics ever come to mind? Yeah, I think on reflection, uh, looking back at it, the answer, you know, the answer is yes. Um, but when, when, when I actually sat down and thought, well, what's going to help me get out of the, you know, essentially the mess that I was in. Um, and I felt that, you know, the real estate business, the opportunity to make money, to service people. Um, and look, you know, I was good at it. I, I was I was good at, you know, meeting customer and client expectation. Um, so although I, you know, I did think about, okay, throwing this all in and going start again someone else and potentially getting, you know, as I said, uh, a real job, whatever that is. Um, <clears throat> but the entrepreneurial spirit was strong within me. And I felt like given the right circumstances, and, and it was very much, you know, like we're talking a day-to-day process here of um, it's not something that you just wake up in the morning and go, yeah. right, I think I've got this clear, right? It, it evolves and it takes time. And this is something that people need to understand is that sometimes when you're in these things, it's not a day, you need to have a structure and a plan. And that that was another thing that I sort of didn't mention in that is I, I, I shifted. One of the biggest shifts I made um, was going from thinking short-term to thinking long-term about where I was at in my business world, my life in general. Um, the, other, the other part for me, uh, Alex, is that, again, come to understand this now because I've done the human behavior and the psychological development work, is that at the time of the global financial crisis, I was 44 years old. There was a life journey going on in the background of this business journey. And when you're in your between your 40s and your 50s, you too tend to get a little bit restless about where you are in your life because you're now starting to enter the second phase of your life. So by all measures, uh, we live a lifespan of about 80 to 85 years in Western worlds and and so when you get into when you're in your 40s you're now entering the second phase so the way you look at your life journey and particularly if you've got an entrepreneurial business uh, entrepreneurial layered on top of that there's some things that are going on in who you are who you're developing to be you know potentially mortgages you know significant other people in your life potentially kids that are growing up all these other things factors that are going into this life journey as well so it's not just what's happening career-wise, how you're making your money. There's a lot of other, you know, relationships, potentially breakdowns at that stage in your life. And there's all sorts of other things that go on in, in, in people's journeys. So I think that's what I find fascinating to help people understand is that, you know, again, all the answers are not external of who you are. They're all internal of who you are. And the pathway from personal development, you know, if we want to get to the heart of what is personal development is becoming secure about who you are internally so you can express yourself externally. That's, that's the pathway for me of personal development. And um, often what happens is we're trying to express ourselves externally without really doing the work to understand who we are internally. And, and so um, I think for me, uh, did I have 
concerns. Did I worry that I was going to fail? Yeah, pretty much every second day for a period of time. And then what would happen? You get into these peaks and valleys is um, that you'd have a good month or two, particularly in the real estate can happen where you might have two or three sales and you go, okay, all my financial problems are, so- are solved. And then you go for a dip for a two, two or three months You go, They're not solved, you know? And, um, and, and I think, uh, you know, I, now I've evolved to go, okay, money isn't the most important factor. I understand that. And a lot of people's journey thing. But again, this is an involvement through your life. You know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, it is the most primary thing in your world. But when you get to your 40s and your 50s, it's not so primary in your, in your um, you know, time becomes more important. Potentially family values become more important if that's a, a part of your life. And although there's a spinning plate in the background of your mind that says you still need to make money and thrive, because you need to service the people around you. you know, and then there's a whole lot of other characteristics, you know, status uh, that comes into it, plays. And there's a whole lot of other things that go into a person's personality and their mindset that creates all this potpourri of stuff that uh, we try and figure out. But that's the, that's the work, right? That's the, the work is to evolve yourself to figure that all out. And um, if you can marry that up with an entrepreneurial pathway, you know, the sky's the limit to what you can achieve. So did I answer your question, Alex? I'm not sure. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> it, it all comes around because I totally agree with everything you said, because I, I look at it as if I have a passion project or something, I'm going to go for it. Like yep. there's, it's not going to be, I don't like it being easy. And that's why I love the motto rise to the challenge because I become better every challenge I overcome and face. Yeah. And, and there's one key ingredient in all that, which again, I've discovered and come to understand. Um, and maybe this is where I look back was now one of my greatest strengths was the courage to push through. So we all need courage because um, courage is, is what we face that we have to push through at the testing point of everything that happens. So you're always getting tested, particularly in entrepreneurial pathway and, and any, any fields of endeavor in your life, really, you're always getting tested by situational circumstances, things that you're not expecting. And it's often the courage that you require just to push through that barrier to get through to the other side. And often once you push through, you realize that it was never as bad as you thought it was going to be that you conjure up because we, we have a tendency um, as a human experience to create catastrophe and things, things are going to work out much harder than what they really are. It's not to say that, you know, there, there are major challenges in people's lives that they get through, but I think without that courage um, as a virtue to push through, it's hard to uh, to you know to make that personal development growth and to to get to the place that you need to get you believe that you need to get to and to evolve yourself. So, you know, for me, you know, as my structure and my framework on how people now courage is at the the core of it, um, and and getting to understand what courage is and and when do you need it, um, and when when is it useful for you to push through and get to the other side and think about how well, what's the worst thing that can happen here if I just push through and do this? We'll see what comes of it. And I think, you know, from what you're telling me is that that's, that's part of your, um, your makeup, your life view is that, you know, uh, push through. And it's that, that's that courage that you need to push through that barrier where you know it's going to be a bit scary or you're not, you don't know what's going to happen. And, and that's actually what you need. If you don't have that courage, you won't, you'll step back. You'll move away from the challenge and not move towards it. You talked about how personal development is a huge part of your coaching. When you first people hear about personal development, are they afraid to kind of really self-reflect on themselves or do you make it easy for them where they don't even realize they're doing it? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think um, there's, 
And it's probably because it's a little bit overused and become commercialized, you know, having a good mindset, personal development, um, and potentially people get a little bit scared of what it, what it really is. So, so my pathway, my method is really to un- get people to understand, you know, what actually do you understand personal development is and break it down. So everything, everything I do and I learn is all around behavioral science. So, you know, the neuropsychology, the neurobiology. And for me, I'm a logical thinker. Um, and so some people are not, some people are more that creative right brain and, uh, and need to understand concepts or they are visual more so than, than they are logical. And so really for me, it's about understanding who am I talking to and how are they going to best understand this? <clears throat> so if it's a creative person, then visually it might be worth, you know, putting a drawing together or putting an actually a map in front of them saying, this is how it all rolls out and how it works, as opposed to a logical thinker, just need a linear process. Tell me how to go from A to B to C to D to, and so on. So I think from a coaching perspective, it's really, you know, there's not a cookie cutter approach to this. It's uh, that one size fits all. And I think that's actually one of the things that frustrates me about the, the coaching industry is that there's a lot of cookie cutter approach to how you help people evolve. Well, every you know i think there's eight billion people on the planet and we're all going to evolve differently and there is um so i I think that there's no cookie cutter approach to the answers for everybody but there is a process and a method of helping people evolve themselves because i think ultimately in the day coaching is about helping the person evolve to come to their own natural conclusions and when they do that that's much more powerful than having someone say uh alex you should do a b and c and you're going to get these results isn't that fantastic? If you just stay disciplined and do that, well, if you're not a disciplined person, then that's all going to go out the window. And you might get convinced that this is the best pathway for you, but it's not, not going to work for Alex who doesn't think that way or doesn't, doesn't learn that way. And so how I, my job is to figure out how does Alex see the world and learn and then present the information that is going to help him in a way that's going to make sense that he's going to come to his natural conclusions about it. And that's going to work. So go back to the question It's really understanding what, what is personal development? What, what is it for you and how do you understand it? So that's what I say. If I ask a question like, what does personal development mean to you? Are you afraid of it? You know, have you done any, do you even start understand what it is? And so for me, the, the definition of it is that, um, we're all very insecure in all sorts of different ways. So one, one of the laws of human behavior is that we're all suffering in some way and, and insecure. Um, so personally developing yourself is becoming secure or at least moving on the spectrum of feeling secure about the things that you don't feel so secure about now. Mm-hmm. I.e., Do you feel worthy of becoming an entrepreneur to run a business? Do you actually feel that, yeah, I'm afraid that I'm not good enough in doing that? Well, personal development is about what do we need to help you evolve so that you become more secure in doing this. And I think the life journey, personal development, is how do we become more secure about the things that we're insecure about? So what does insecure mean? Insecure means you don't feel safe. That's the word. That's the breakdown of the word is, is that when you don't feel safe in what you're doing, that shows up as insecurities. And we all have them in all sorts of different shapes in our lives. And it's um, so personal development, self-awareness is identifying what they are, becoming aware of them first. And then the second, second part is then accepting that, yes, I, have, I do feel insecure about this. Until you accept that you do, you're never going to take the right actions to move forward or to change. So, um, so, so the personal development, like anything, any endeavor in life, and again, my, my, my genre is helping people in business, is understanding what are you insecure about 
in the business journey that we can bring awareness to, get you to accept where the weaknesses are, and then what's the process of overcoming that? What's the change process? And then as the person evolves and feels more secure about them, they feel better in themselves, their emotional state is a lot better, and they're more likely to push ahead and do the things they need to do. But if you sort of gave them the action, here's the four actions you've got to take without doing that work prior, their their belief system their conditioning is too strong to overcome. Let's just do these three actions and it'll all be okay. There's too much conditioning going on. And the conditioning has happened potentially over a 20, 30-year period. So you're not going to change that with just do these A, B, and C and it'll all be good. right? So, So personal development is about evolving yourself, becoming secure about your insecurities, And that's in all areas of your life. And then once you, so the process is self-awareness, right? So the number one skill in business, and I think the one, the number one skill in life is becoming self-aware of why do you do what you do? Why don't you do what you know you should be doing? (laughs) That's, that's the, that's the million dollar question that, um, that we're all trying to figure out is why is it that I don't do the things that I know that are good for me that I say I want? (laughs) Yeah. So when I figure that out, <laughs> I'll, I'll come up with a formula. But uh, <laughs> I, I think I think that's the life journey. That's uh, the point is that we're always searching for that in whatever it is, and, and that sometimes that gets expressed in you know clients that I'm working with. Well, I need to make more money to pay my bills. Others it might be I'm working too many hours. I'd like to scale back so I can spend more time with my family. Uh, others it might be I want to exit this business, but I feel trapped in it, and and all these things about being insecure about what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And they don't feel safe. And, and remembering from a neurobiology perspective is that our primary driver is to feel safe in life. That's, that's, that's our primary instinct. It's in our unconscious. It's not in our awareness all the time, but that's what shows up in all our emotions is that the, the wanting to feel safe because that, that goes back hundreds of thousands of years in our evolution. It's not something that you choose to to buy into or not it's it, it just comes up in all of us so that's why um, one of the laws of human behavior is that we're all suffering and insecure in some shape or form so what does the future look like for you what are you hoping to accomplish both personally and professionally in the next few years uh, for me it's very much a passion about helping other people understand themselves um, as i said for me my, my focus is is helping people on their entrepreneurial journey um, and, and even deeper than that, my focus is business owners who are probably mature in their business. They've been around for five to 10 years. They've got a team of five to 50 people because that creates people problems. And once you create people problems, that's one of the things, if you can evolve and understand the people around you at a deeper level, and the way to do that is to understand yourself. So, the, the, mm-hmm. so very much for me is showing people that personal leadership of who you are and how to lead yourself is a pathway to leading other people. And, you know, leadership is a buzzword around business circles uh, around the world. And, and I think if you, whatever business you think you're in, you're actually in the business of leadership, leadership of yourself, leadership of your market, leadership of the people that are around you, your suppliers, whatever it is that you're trying to interact with you as a business leader need to take on that leadership. And I think the starting point is yourself. So for me, what does it look like for me in the next you know, 10 plus years of my working life? Um, I don't have a end date that I go, right, I'm going to finish when I'm 65 or 60. I, 
God willing and health permitting, I'll continue to do what I what I can do. Um, and and for me, it's a very much a journey of helping other people, and that's where I get my fulfillment now. Is um, and passionate about helping people to understand what I've come to learn. And my job, what what gets me going is how do I present that in a way that makes people understand and helps them on their journey? That's that's the work. The work for me is not necessarily knowing whether this is worthy or good work. I know it is. It's more about how do I meet someone who potentially is suffering in silence, um, hiding behind their mask, and to help them become a little bit vulnerable to seek the help so that they can engage, do the things they want, achieve the goal so they can you know potentially serve the people around them better um, because I think ultimately most of us are trying to help other people. I wouldn't say everybody, but most of us on the planet, our life journey is about how do we make other people's lives better. I think at the core, I believe in good in people. Um, I know that there's plenty of evil people, but we only hear about the evil people, but the good people outnumber them probably 10 to 1. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? Yeah, I think the first um, great question, by the way, is um, uh, struggle is part of the pathway. So I think we, we, we spend a lot of time trying to avoid obstacles and struggles um, I don't believe that that's the necessary the best way to get to whatever your goals are. Uh, and I'm not saying you're going looking for struggles, but where you rise to the challenge is by becoming resilient to the struggles in life. And there will be, no matter whatever area you're in, um, or what field or genre, and again, I'll bring it back to a business journey, is that uh, the struggles are the pathway. The obstacles are the ones to be met and the challenge to be overcome. Have the courage to push through. Be patient. Uh, what you do in the next one to three months will show up in the next six to nine months. Mm-hmm. What you don't do in the next one to three months will also show up in the next six to nine months. So get yourself into a rhythm of what's what do I need to trade off, have the discipline to do the things that may not necessarily be comfortable in the next one to three months. That's going to give me a benefit. And I'm, so I'm not talking long-term benefit. I'm talking it will show up quite quickly. And what happens is you get into a rhythm that you're always doing things that may be a little sacrifice in the moment that's going to give you a benefit in the future. And that, that's pretty much the definition of discipline, um, creating that within your character. Uh, I think um, the last thing I'd say probably around this is that our unconscious and our subconscious mind is pretty much running your life. And you're not going to change that. But what you can do is you can pay attention to it to potentially use your, you know, your conscious thinking to direct yourself better and and i'll finish off alex quoting the great carl jung so he's one of the grandfathers of psychology and one of his quotes is that um until you make your unconscious conscious it will rule your life and you will call it fate so these these are the words of wisdom that carl jung um spoke i don't know probably 100 years ago now or, or thereabouts and they're still very true now is that our life is run by our unconscious and our our subconscious mind and and really the personal development work is to pay attention to what's happening to you with your habits your actions your routines how is that delivering what you're getting and the best question to ask from a coaching perspective is is that serving you well and if the answer is it's not serving you well then you need to do some exploration into what you need to move and change to get what it is that you want 
um, because ultimately your unconscious will just keep overtaking everything. And then you reflect back and go, oh, that's just the way I am or that's the way it was or, you know, it was out of my control. Um, I think you need to take control and that's that personal leadership. So that's what I help people understand is getting their internal world connected with their external world and what they're trying to achieve. And, and then personal leadership is the um, the junction point or the connection point between the two. Um, and, and I think most of us spend too much time looking external of who we are for the answers and we need to look internally. So, so the advice, there's a little bit in all that, but, um, uh, you know, is, is pay attention to what's happening within you internally. Be patient about the changes that you make. Don't look for instant results. You know, we live in this gratitude world of we want to do something on Monday and have a result by Friday. Um, it doesn't it doesn't work out that way we need to be a bit more patient and, and i think people that that change in itself that was a huge impact in my life uh, having that longer vision um having that you know that purpose to go okay well if i just put all these good things in place over the next one to three months good things will show up and then you get into this rhythm so so yeah so that's the advice i would give be patient well, Torian, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Excellent. Appreciate the opportunity, Alex. It's been fun. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full-length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.